my loves and welcome back to the Heart First podcast. I'm so glad that you are tuning in today. If you are a new listener, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you are returning, thank you for being here. I'm really excited to bring you today's guest. Today we are speaking with Beck Antonucci. Now, Beck is an emotional well-being and personal freedom coach. She supports women to break through ineffective self-worth and body image stories, break free from shame and heal from past developmental and relational traumas to unlock their most authentic, expressed, open, confident and fulfilled self. So Beck truly is such an embodiment of everything that she teaches. And I was particularly drawn to her page because of her conviction and how embodied she is in her message like she is literally she is what she preaches which I think is so important in the coaching space to find people who are really really standing solid in their message and Beck is truly a great example of that. Now, Beck and I are really diving in today about breaking stigma up the <laughs> breaking stigma around the herpes virus. So Beck got diagnosed with herpes in her 20s and at the time thought it was the most horrible, worst thing that could have ever happened to her. Since then, she has completely broken free from that shame. She's in a very happy, fulfilled relationship and she now helps other women to break free from the stigma around the herpes virus. She is a true angel when it comes to this stuff. I always see um, so many testimonials of how many lives she is changing, especially in this area and creating really fearless women to really break free from the stigma and shame that comes up around an STI. So Beck is a free thinker, an embodied female thought leader, a stigma fighter, and she's the host of Raw, Real and Vulnerable, a great podcast that I highly recommend that you tune into after you listen to this one. So without further ado, let's welcome Beck. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm actually so excited to get into today because I have followed your journey now for maybe the last, I don't even know, maybe like 12 months and um, I've learned so much of you just through your content alone. So really excited. Oh, I love that so much. You know what? One of my mentors said to me, make sure when people hit your page that they receive breakthroughs without ever having needing needed to work with you. So that's kind of the intention behind my social media. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll kick off and I'm going to hand it over to you to just tell us a little bit about who you are what you do and what your mission is that you're working towards in today's 2022 world. Amazing. Well, first and foremost, I am a partner, a sister and a daughter. Um, I'm an emotional wellbeing coach for women. I speak very loudly and proudly about breaking free from stigma and shame around the herpes virus on the internet. Um, and I really support women to break free from any single thing that they've been feeling almost a victim to or feeling like a lesser person to in society's eyes and feeling like they can't truly be all of themselves out of fear of rejection, fear of judgment, fear of just people not accepting them and really supporting humans to cultivate the internal courage and worthiness to activate their unique voice, reclaim anything that they once handed their power over to and live their lives on their own empowered terms. Wow. 
And it really excites me. I love it. <laughs> and well, I also think I'm a part-time comedian. I feel like my gateway to my actual life purpose of comedy is to abolish stigma. And once I'm done with herpes shame, then I'm going to go into comedy. You are actually bloody hilarious. <laughs> I think the funniest part about it is I think I'm funny and I don't know if everyone finds me as funny as I think I am. I'm like, I, oh, think you're funny. I think you're hilarious. I watch your stories and you um, tormenting Jake <laughs> is like everything. <laughs> Anyway, everyone because I'm moving out of my house I'm literally you've been a 12 month follower I've lived in this house for six years so every housemate has been annihilated I'm like and the some of my followers like what we're gonna miss the content like don't worry Jake is gonna get hounded I love this because who who are you currently living with Toby is his name Tony Tony Tony. poor Tony but lucky Tony at the same time I know someone walked past me in the shops yesterday messaged me saying I wanted to go up to him and ask for a photo he's famous now I'm like yes let's turn him into a personality I freaking love this and he's a note going on my podcast he's like I already know what you're going to say no I'm not calling it I'm not doing it you have to because it will go absolutely viral I know um so what got you into this work so what the one thing I really love about this work is I never did it for it to be work. I was just pretty much desperate to find a way to love and accept myself. There were parts of myself that I deeply hated, especially the herpes virus. But prior to the herpes virus, I had been at war with my body. I'd been on a big 10-year disordered eating journey. One stage, I thought bulimia was going to be the thing that absolutely rocked me. I couldn't create a relationship with my body, couldn't create a relationship with food, and it felt really impossible. And just things just kept happening where I was like, am I just addicted to drama or attracting drama? Why Why do bad things always happen to me? Like I came back from the overseas breast enhancement surgery with a horror overseas boob job. And I was like, why of all the people on the planet did it happen to me? And the herpes virus was the final straw of me accepting that there's something happening inside of me for this to continue to be occurring. And it's around my body image. It's around how I feel about myself. I didn't understand what worthiness was. I didn't understand what uh, the subconscious mind was. I didn't understand what trauma and childhood trauma was, but I understood that something was going on. Mm. And I also was aware at 25 that I had tried a lot of things externally outside of myself. I thought once I got that, then I would feel a certain way, like the body, the perfect Instagram body, the perfect Fitzbo body, a particular boyfriend with status and wealth attached to him, a career, whatever it was I was aiming for. And I would get that thing thinking it would bring me a feeling and the feeling would never arrive. And then I would feel actually lower than ever before because I kind of hung all my hopes on that thing being the key to my acceptance, being the key to my happiness. So at age 25, almost at a loss of like, I can't continue to live my life like this. There has to be another way. And obviously the ways that I've been going and the way that society told me that I'll be happy through money or through men or through sex or through a body, they're not working. And so I'm going to have to try something entirely different because I am desperate now. I can't live my life hating myself. I can't live my life hating my body. I can't live my life hating food and something has to change. And that's where it really started. Mm. And so from there, did you just dive into doing the work? Yeah. So I also really wanted, I've always wanted to be a female entrepreneur always. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that successful people had mentors. I had no idea what that meant. And I was 25, I was working in a corporate job and I was like, that's it. I found my purpose. I'm going to be this like corporate woman. And I was reading about Janine Alice and she's the boost juice lady. And she talks about mentors and people that she's worked with and coaches. And I was also dating this man who was a boxer. 
And I thought this is going to be a really great opportunity for me to share really vulnerably about my body image and my eating disorders. And so I shared with him at the time what I was experiencing. And he was gorgeous. He was blonde, blue eyes, suave, amazing body. He was a professional fighter. And he said to me, you know what, Beck, I really understand what you're going through because I go through that too, or at least I used to. And And I looked at this man, like at the time I had no idea. I just thought that perfect looking people had perfect lives and had no limiting beliefs about themselves. So as this gorgeous human shared with me that he was going, he had experienced disordered eating and body image shame. I was like, that just came so, it was such a shock to me. And I said, what did you do? And he'd done a in-person workshop in Perth, a three-day event. He said, I'll take you to it if you like. There's another one coming up. And so he took me there. And that was my first and my first entry into the world of personal development. And I became obsessed. I was like, this is my place. <laughs> I have found my people. I can just be myself and I am obsessed. And that was the start of my journey almost 10 years ago now. 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And so one of the big things that I firstly loved about when I stumbled across your page and came across your content was firstly the fact that you are so incredibly embodied in the work that you do. And you can see that from a mile away. And I think that even um, when you educate around the herpes stigma, I really had no idea about herpes or how common it was or how many women face it and as soon as I saw that like I have genuinely been so educated about the herpes virus and the awareness of it and you know fuck stigma right so I'd really love to hear your story on like what happened when you found out you had herpes or walk us through that that story because I think it's so powerful Mm, I love that. I just want to acknowledge you for a moment, though, because I love that uh, feedback, because what it says to women who do test positive is they're safe to start to share with more people who are becoming more open minded to the conversation. So they could then your best friend, your girlfriend, your sister, your client could bring it to you and not be fearful of any kind of judgment and just you be welcoming them with acceptance and love and respect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so beautiful. Totally. So, it's it's definitely okay. made me think about there's probably people in my life who feel scared to, to open yeah. talk about it. And through this conversation, you know, I just want to spread to my community um, and wider that it is safe. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, the day that I found out that I test positive for the herpes virus will go down as the worst and day of my life and also the moment I'm most grateful for. I really think it was the thing that, believe it was the thing that supported me to heal from my disordered eating, which felt like the hardest mountain that I thought I was never going to be able to climb. But on that day, I, did, I had no idea about sexual health. I had no idea about STIs. I never remembered my Catholic high school teaching us about that. I thought condoms were to prevent sex, mm. you know, to prevent pregnancy, sorry. And so when this occurred, you know, the doctor disclosed the news to me and I was very naive. I was just like, I'll get the antibiotics, write me a script, give it an injection. Let's just get rid of this thing. And when she said, no, it's for life. And she printed me off a fact sheet about herpes. And I'm looking at this, it says STD, disease, forever, not curable. Just in that moment, it just felt like everything I'd worked for my entire life, my appearance was the only vehicle that I felt that could bring me love and acceptance and worthiness. It felt like that had been ripped from me. Mm -hmm. And immediately I started to subscribe to so many societal limiting beliefs. 
unworthy, unlovable, ruined, dirty, uh, no man will ever love me, my sex life is ruined. And I really just want to remind anyone that's listening that resonates with this story, not a lot of us have done any research on the herpes virus. I mean, I never wanted to <laughs> become informed about the herpes virus. It wasn't a high desire of mine until I had to. Mm. And so I'm so much smarter than to subscribe to the limiting beliefs of something I have no idea about. Totally. And that's something I want to remind people. We grab them, but we have no idea even what the herpes virus is. And so that started a massive journey for me because those beliefs I anchored to, I attached to, and I believed. And I lived so many years of my life in denial, in shame, having this constant alarm bell go off in the back of my mind that was like, you have herpes, no one will love you, you have herpes, this man that's talking to you, if only he knew, you have herpes, you're disgusting. And it was just this voice on repeat that I tried to pretend didn't exist until one day the voice became so unbearable that I was like, I actually now can't deny it anymore. I have to look at it. There's no two ways about this. I did all the self-worth work that I thought, I mean, I know you can never do it all. <laughs> I had done so much self-worth work where I was like, I could just break free from everything else and never use my voice around this thing. And it wasn't until I finally accepted that I was going to break free from my fear of judgment by letting the world know that I test positive for the herpes virus, that everything else that I'd been working on for so many years started to land and integrate. Mm. It was like the catalyst to like everything coming together. Yeah, it was like God, universe, source, whoever it is you're aligning with was not going to allow me to keep my voice silenced around this thing. Yeah, totally. So educate us a little bit on what is the herpes virus. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the, I don't love to be like a massive medical educator on what the herpes virus is, but it's a skin condition. Um, it's transmittable through skin to skin contact. Um, and just really, I'm, I don't have a high desire to educate around it medically. It's just not in alignment for me. What I love is seeing people break free from the fears of it, create a deep understanding of how it shows up in their body, understand what meaning is attached to them testing positive for the herpes virus, and understanding that the symptom is a sign and that our body is a miracle and she is always speaking to us. So the biggest stressor, the biggest causation of a herpes virus outbreak is uh, environmental stress, physical stress, emotional stress. And once we get really crystal clear on those, like I'm a very pro-natural health person, we can start to use herpes for those who test positive for it as almost a vehicle in your back pocket to deeply understand yourself, your surroundings, what's going on for you emotionally, and if you're treating your body with care and love. And that's what I love about the herpes virus. We could go into in-depth detail about the virus itself but it doesn't excite me like the other stuff <laughs> yeah I totally I totally hear that so when you um I guess came out and told everyone about the herpes virus did you start small or did you go like straight online okay so I started small in terms of I started with people in person that I trusted my my biggest desire was to be able to disclose to be able to tell people that I was having sexual intercourse with that I test positive because I went for years not disclosing. And I know that there's a very taboo conversation, but I'm very honest about it because it happens all the time. People don't disclose. Quick question. Can mm -hmm. you contract the herpes virus even if using a condom? There's still opportunity, yes. Yeah. 
So there's no 100%. I mean, I think it takes, I'm also not massive fan of statistics, but it, because I don't think a statistic can make you feel better about shame because we know how common it is and yet the stigma is still massive. But I think something like, and don't quote me, but something like with the use of antivirals and condoms, transmission rate is less than 2%. Um, but you still can, there's still a chance, um, and you can still transmit even if you don't have an outbreak, uh, and doctors in Australia give very conflicting advice to that, but that's wrong. You can, can, you can contract without an outbreak. Um, what, what was the question? Um, when you came out and you disclosed to, oh, yeah. so my highest desire was to, to disclose. I never wanted to live outside of my integrity. And that was my commitment to myself. I have got to use my voice at the bare minimum with sexual partners. And so I started with a male friend and then I started with a best friend. And then I started to realize, whoa, when I share this truth, people are actually very vulnerable in return with me. Mm -hmm. And so that was almost my permission slip to realizing I have an opportunity. And so I was seeing this man and we hadn't slept together yet. And I was like, oh my God, I have got to tell him he's my perfect person to tell it to. He's a little bit more mature. And so I drove to his house and I did this whole motivational spiel in the car. I'm driving, I'm practicing, I'm sweating. Yeah. And I go to his house and I make sure that I do it outside of the bedroom. I think a great way to, to disclose is not just before you're about to have sex. And I disclosed to him on his couch. It took me about 50 minutes to get it out of my mouth. I was shaking. My voice was trembling. I feel like, like you were literally going to die. Felt like I was doing a bungee jump. I love adrenaline sports. I love bungee. I love skydive. And my body had the same somatic reaction as standing at the top. I don't know if you know the Nevis bungee in New Zealand. Yes. I've done that where you're like head first into rocks and your hands are shaking. Everything's like, oh my God. And that's how it felt for me. And then when I did it and I said to him the thing, he looked at me and he said, oh, I thought you were about to tell me something bad. <laughs> and I was just like, all these years, all this denial, all this time, all this shame and like, what? I was like, it is bad. He was like, well, is it bad for you because you feel that way? But I don't feel that way about it. And thank you for sharing with me. And that to me was just my biggest awakening of like, oh my God, the only person making a big deal out of this is myself. Oh, wow. Do, do you find that's very common? It has been my experience, probably because I've been so out there with it. I even um, put it on Tinder. I put it as the headline of my Tinder bio. I test positive for the herpes virus. Now that's out in the open, let's move on to what's really important. Love that. And I guess the thing about Tinder, you know, a lot of my clients have this fear of rejection. The thing about Tinder is we don't get to see the people who reject us or who swipe the opposite way. And I personally don't consider that a rejection. I just consider it a misalignment. But what Tinder showed me was, whoa, all these people are swiping and are open to the conversation and people would either say me too or I really respect you, like what what courage that would take to put it on a dating app mm. or a really great question was, I know absolutely nothing about it. Can you inform me a little bit about what it means? Uh, if we were to have sex, does that mean I get it straight away? And some people were just like, I don't care. It's <laughs> not a, I thought everyone has herpes anyway. I don't care. So it just opened my eyes to... So many people are so open to the conversation and then some people really aren't and that's okay. Like I'm not here to get everyone on the planet to like me. I don't want to have sex with every person on the planet. I don't want to be friends with every person on the planet. Some people are really just going to be my people 
and some people aren't. And it's kind of like, why would I try and swim in the pond with the fish that don't want to swim with me? Versus if I just looked in a different direction, there are heaps of people that are open to loving me, accepting me, adoring me, worshipping me. Mm. And when I took my focus away from everyone who I thought wouldn't choose me, I realised my whole world gets to open up to so many people who are so open and receptive. And my internal boundary was anyone that had a fear of transmission or anyone who had a fear of the virus, they just weren't my person because this is what I come with and I'm okay with that. Mm. I love this. And I love what you've said there about rejection just being misalignment Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about that because I think it's such a beautiful reframe oh it's my I I feel it's so simple and I know mindset work isn't the only thing that we should do we really get to get in the body but for me I'm just like values alignment I desire to live a life in alignment and so if I really didn't want to be on your podcast right now would it serve me to be on your podcast would it serve me to be on your podcast just because you requested? Would it serve you for me to be on your podcast just because you requested if I didn't want to be there? And so would it really be worthwhile me saying yes when I really meant no? Mm. And so for me, like saying yes out of alignment means that I get to have a heightened experience of life, which means everything that's not meant for me, either I'm meant to say no to that or that is meant to say no to me. Now, if I decide to walk around my entire life passing every single no as rejection, I'm really going to start digging myself a hole and putting myself in the ground because not everything's meant to be a yes. My full fuck yes life is not meant to be everyone telling me yes all the time because that doesn't feel like the full fuck yes. It just feels like a life of people pleasing and appeasing for the sake of my wounded ego. So Mm -hmm. I desire people who request me to be on their podcast to really want me to be there vice versa I desire my clients who desire to work with me to really want to be there and vice versa I desire the men that have wanted to date me prior to my now partner to really want to be committed to the intention of dating me the woman the person who exists within that to me feels like a life of alignment therefore everything that is not that is meant to be a no Mm -hmm. and I'm not willing to call that rejection it's just misalignment a hundred percent and I want to you've just sparked my awareness on something of like when you say yes like hypothetically if you had said yes to coming onto the podcast when you really meant no that creates an alignment within me because Mm -hmm. as somebody who's put the offer out there and you felt obliged and you've been like yep I'll do it even knowing that would be like oh that feels yucky I would have rather you just honored yourself and that's the question that you get to ask if a man or a woman comes into your world and you're like oh I don't want to date them, but they want to date me. Imagine the disconnect sexually. Imagine the disconnect at dinner. You're going to be sitting across from this person being like, well, we have nothing to talk about. Like I would be on this podcast out of almost maybe resentment or like looking at my watch, I've got something better to do with my time. Maybe verbally, I won't say that, but there's going to be an exchange that you feel where it's like, oh, that wasn't the greatest spend of my one hour. And I feel like that's really disrespectful to you and to me, like, I created a video years ago that did the rounds and I loved it. It was like, your people pleaser is a liar. Mm, I love that. If we're scared to be told no, we're also scared to tell people no. Whereas if you had have asked me to go on your podcast, I didn't want to be there. I would have said, thank you so much. Like, I don't need to be hurtful. Like, no, I don't want to. That's Mm. different. That's being rude. I can still be respectful. Like, thank you so much for the invitation. And I'm a no, but I really appreciate you touching base and reaching out. really meant a lot to me. Like there's a way that we can say no 
that's really in integrity, that is loving. And if you knew, especially when it comes to the dating world, that the next three people were meant to quote unquote reject you, say no to you, but the fourth person is your forever one, the one that is always meant for you, the one that God handpicked and wrote your name on his or her soul. Do, would you not want those three no's to come your way? Because if, for as long as they're saying yes, they're in the way of the person that you're really meant to get to anyway. Yeah, 100%. I actually love that so much. So you obviously work with a lot of women who have experienced the herpes virus and helping them to really live their life completely liberated what is your process in enabling them to do that because I almost feel like just being around you and being around someone who's gone through it and is like fuck that I'm gonna live my life free is like 90% of the work yeah I definitely think there's a massive permission slip that exists inside of me like Mm -hmm. if I can do it then they can do it too we don't need to reinvent the wheel here Um, And then we go through, I have different processes, but I actually uh, do a four week breakthrough specifically on the herpes virus. And it starts with forgiveness. Mm. Um, It starts with, uh, often we are resistant to forgiving ourselves. Quite often when there's sexual trauma, whether it is uh, being on the receiving end of an STI that you didn't know was coming your way. Because if we know that we're receiving it, like you sit down in front of me and say, hey, Beck, I really like you. And you're an amazing woman and I desire to date you. And if this was to go to the next step, it's just really important that, you know, I test positive for the herpes virus. In that moment, I'm empowered and I could say thank you so much for being so honest with me. Mm -hmm. And let's navigate what would happen if I was to be on the receiving end of it. Majority of the people who come into my space didn't get that opportunity. Therefore, it comes with a lot of trauma. The same as any kind of sexual trauma, any kind of sexual abuse. Quite often, what happens is the woman then says, it's my fault. I wore a skirt too short, I smiled at him, I shouldn't have gone out and got drunk that night and had that one night stand, I'm to blame. And so it's forgiveness of whoever's involved, maybe forgiveness of past partners. I I didn't actually blame the man who gave it to me. I blamed my ex-boyfriend. I was like, if he'd have loved me right and treated me right and listened to me, I would have never ended up in the bed with that man. And I hated my ex-partner for years. I was so mad at him. Wow. He would point and project the finger, like text messages of abuse. It's things that I've written that, oh my God, if you knew. And now I'm like, oh, Rebecca, I've done my own forgiveness around that. But forgiveness of the people involved and forgiveness of self. That's our very first step. Mm-hmm. And then really understanding what we've made the virus meaning mean about us, understanding that there's the virus and then there's the stigma. And they are two separate things. Mm. I'm really creating clarity around that. I have a number of embodiment practices to really get women into their body and break free from if it's rejection that they fear, the fear of rejection, if it's judgment that they fear, the fear of judgment. And so we go through our uniquely tailored process, but really to create forgiveness from within, release any internalized stigma that we're projecting at ourselves, and then go out and create the energetic body that can actually do challenging things because disclosure, your first time, it isn't easy. It does feel like a bungee jump. It's insanely terrifying, Mm. very vulnerable. So we really set the woman up for success to, or the man to be able to do that courageous thing and believe in herself or himself that they can. And they are so worthy to use their voice and be seen and received. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And I see a lot of the screenshots that you share across Instagram um, where women are saying, hey, I disclosed last night. Thank you so much for inspiring me. He was totally cool with it. And then we ended up having sex three times. Yeah. Like yeah, I have a how to disclose in less than 60 st- uh, stress-free seconds. 
uh, as super powerful because I mean I, I didn't want to do a motivational speech every time I sat down in front of a man and it creates you know it creates an opportunity to communicate with confidence certainty and conviction and also allows a space for us to hold space for that person to ask questions share their fears or um, share their acknowledgement for our bravery you know, a lot of people who message me now, like, fuck, this woman just spoke to me, but like, my little sister has it. Or my mom told me that she tests positive, or my ex girlfriend had it. It's like not a problem for me. And so it's just realizing that the person mostly judging ourselves is always ourselves. Mm. And through the courage to have the con- uh, to have the conversation, we can create so much space and freedom for ourselves and everyone around us. Yeah. And when you said just before about like, there's you and then there's the stigma, the first thing that came into my mind was like, there's you. And then there's this, the stigma is like this big dark cloud that just sort of like sits over you when really it's like you're still there and having the herpes virus isn't the end of the world and you're still a worthy, lovable human being. It's just that, that big black cloud that is like sitting over you that I guess society has created where do you think the stigma comes from oh my god I was just about to say I go I go down rabbit holes with this because sometimes I'm like who created stigma someone created it intentionally to suppress humanity why does everyone test positive and not everyone but why do so many people test positive for this thing that's so stigmatized Mm. Um, I, I really you know I think you could go down the Rebecca rabbit hole, but that's a great question for everyone to ask themselves. Why do we think stigma really exists? Where did it come from? Is it is it relevant? Is, it, is there a purpose for stigma to even exist? Because I truly believe what one person goes through, millions of other people on this planet go through as well. Mm-hmm. It would be very, it would be very, very rare and so unique to find something that a very marginal population of society actually experience. So for anyone to feel isolated or suppressed by shame, whether it's herpes stigma and shame or anything else. I mean, I've worked with women, I was saying this the other day, I've worked with women whose husbands have cheated and the woman has said, I still choose him and I'm willing to work this out and I want to find a way because I chose him, I'm committed to him, he's a father of my children and I love him and he says that he loves me and he's willing to work on it too. Mm-hmm. And the stigma and shame and judgment of their families were like, once a cheat, always a cheat. You must break up with him. We'll never accept him or welcome him into the family. He's not coming to Christmases. Women have said to me, your relationship to the herpes virus is how I feel about this infidelity and I need your help. Wow. Yeah. Is, like everyone goes through something. There's judgment, rejection, uh, and just this complete ownership of choosing. We don't have to subscribe to the black cloud. And I think that's a really great analogy of like, there's this cloud there but it's not you. There's this cloud over your head. And do you want to actually stand under that cloud? I'm sure there's a beautiful home where you, that you could walk into and stay dry. And you don't even have to be under the cloud and get wet. But you're choosing to stand under the cloud for as long as you want to be there until you decide, you know what, this cloud is not me. I'm under it. I'm just going to start walking in a different direction and through a different door. I'm going to put up an umbrella. I'm going to do what I can because I'm not choosing to get wet underneath this dark cloud anymore. Yeah, 100%. Sometimes it's like making that decision to be like, I'm not available for this anymore. This uh-huh. is my story. I'm not subscribing to this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my uh, past mentors, Zion Kim, I'm no longer available for hard lessons. And he used to say that time and time and time again. And sometimes that comes up in my mind. I'm like, why am I making this difficult? Why <laughs> myself? I'm no longer available for hard lessons. Like, yeah. I, I'm choosing that anymore. Yeah. We can sometimes beyond even, I'm sure, the herpes um virus we can subscribe to like 
I have to learn all of these hard lessons because that's my life path and I need to know what it feels like forgetting as well that we can completely unsubscribe from drama a hundred percent like asking where the stigma came from asking where these limiting beliefs came from the day that you found out with no study or research why someone who's so intelligent because I'm sure we all class ourselves as intelligent humans why we would immediately subscribe to beliefs that we actually have no prior knowledge of we're just attaching to a joke in a movie or a bad meme on Instagram I'm too smart for that you're too smart for that so why are we choosing it it's such an illusion isn't it Mm -hmm. and probably to affirm some ineffective belief that you created about yourself from childhood from your teenage years or from that first massive breakup that occurred or from that time that the love of your life cheated on you or whatever it is and you affirming uh, you subscribing to the stigma just affirms those limiting beliefs Mm. but if you decided not to and said I'm not willing to do that but they feel really real for me I know they're not true then you it could actually be the greatest clue to your greatest healing because you would see what thoughts are actually manifesting this experience and you'd actually be able to go back to the past version of you who believed that she wasn't worthy or believed that she doesn't deserve, believe that she's not sexy and be able to actually do that healing on that version of you then and then create so much space and permission for the rest of your life. A hundred percent. And going back to what you said about women who are experiencing say that infidelity piece and they they're wanting to be set free what we can really account this to is this like any any sort of shame that you're experiencing so like anything from like being in copious amounts of debt or um having a different sort of STI or having something about your family that you are terrified of people finding out what's your take on I guess shame in general Mm, I love that so much I mean especially when you said the part about the debt to begin with speaking it I went through uh prior to my coaching business I had three jobs and I was trying to run an online e-commerce store I was in a hundred thousand dollars of debt every week after working 75 hours a week and going home to pack orders at nighttime, I still was barely covering my rent, my bills, boiled eggs. I was eating boiled eggs. My rent, my bills, boiled eggs, and my repayments for my debt. I was so embarrassed. I didn't let anyone know what I was experiencing. So much shame. And I think now, and I destroyed some friendships because of it, because I felt so embarrassed to say, I can't afford to go out. I literally can't pay for lunch or drinks at a nightclub. I can't even afford a fucking $5 coffee to go for a coast walk. But it would have been so brave and vulnerable for me to say, hey, I'm going through some financial hardship right now. I know that my Instagram probably doesn't portray that because I'm so embarrassed of this. I think I'm so much more capable and I'm giving myself such a hard time because of it. I'd love to share and spend time with you. And it's actually a bad habit of mine. I feel obliged to pay and I would never be open to receiving. I don't want to be perceived as charity. I can't afford a $5 coffee with you. It would have been powerful for me to communicate that, but there was too much shame there. Mm. And now on reflection, I think of a really beautiful group of girlfriends who really tried to be friends with me, but because there was so much shame that I couldn't afford to do the things they were asking me to do on the weekends, I pushed them away Mm. and created separation. Me using my voice around whatever the thing is would have created so much space for me to be seen and received, understood and heard. And then they could have acknowledged me and no one was going to pity me or look down on me or berate me or feel like I was poverty or a scab or any of those things. They're all the stories I created. Mm -hmm. It would have created space for friendship and would have created space for acceptance. Mm 
Yeah. And so did you end up living out that entire journey in secret or did you? All end of it. Up- wow. All of it until I started creating income. My first month in coaching, my business blew up and has blown up every month since. But it wasn't until then. And it's one part of my journey that I, know, I have no regrets and I understand. Mm-hmm. And now because of my understanding of this money shame and the herpes shame, I will never hold anything in ever again. It's like evidence in my back pocket that it has to be spoken. But I would call my parents. I mean, I can call my parents now and be like, cook me dinner. But I would call my parents and say, cook me dinner because I couldn't afford food. Yeah. Or I would put a dollar fifty of fuel into my car to get to the Pilates studio to do my classes to get paid. Uh, but I would never let anyone know. I was too embarrassed. Mm, yeah. And it's the same sort of shame that we really hold in our body. And again, money shame being a, such a common a common one, like financial hardship and people, as you said, they come across on say online where everything's so fine and it's just such a facade, not because that they're trying to be someone that they're not, but because they're holding copious amounts of shame inside of their body. Mm -hmm. And money is such a triggering. I love speaking about money now. Mm. Uh, It can be such a triggering conversation for so many people. Even in one of my groups today, we're talking about sex and sexuality and understanding our pleasure. And it's so, um, it's so funny how in society we can get awkward about it. Like, oh my God, I'm talking about money. No, I I shouldn't. Maybe our parents said we talk about it behind closed doors or we don't talk about sex. We don't talk about pleasure. And I think normalizing these conversations is so powerful. We get to have empowering conversations about money. We get to actually acknowledge money. Money won't come where money is being denied. I believe that money and clients come where they're wanted. Friends will come where they're wanted. Boyfriends will come where they're wanted. If you're trying to pretend that something doesn't exist, how can you be asking for more of it when you're in denial and you won't acknowledge it it's like being i think of my relationship with everything in my life like me being in a relationship with jake if jake treated me the way that i treat money would i be okay with that mm. yes or no and that's the thing that i think people get to really start to anchor to is my relationship with this particular domain of my life an empowering one a healthy one am i denying that it even exists even though i know that it does mm. and if you are we get to do some acknowledgement around that because we get to normalize these conversations. Totally. So for the listener today who is maybe listening to this and they're thinking, um, I there's definitely parts of me that I don't feel are worthy or parts of me that I want to hide and that I feel and hold so much shame about. It could be about the money, it could be about the herpes virus, but it could be like any sort of shame that they feel that they're holding at right now. What would be the advice that you would give to them in order to be free and push past that and liberate themselves? And what do you think that will enable them to do or give them? Mm, I love that. So um, I love the saying, I've never met a human who doesn't make perfect sense. (laughs) And so I would, because quite often we can be like, why am I like this? What is wrong with me? I need fixing. And I love the statement, I've never met a human who make, who doesn't make perfect sense. And if you ask yourself the question, like grab the pen, took it to your journal and ask yourself, what am I avoiding? And you, would tru- and you truly went to acknowledge the thoughts that are there for you. Maybe it's, I test positive for the herpes virus, therefore no man will ever love or choose me. I really don't believe that that thought just was created from the moment of the herpes virus coming into your life. And if you were really willing to backtrack and look at the events in your life that you really haven't truly faced off with, 
and created acceptance around and turned them into neutrally charged events versus events charged with guilt, shame and resentment. If we went there and created neutrality and acceptance, I believe that can create a lot of space for a new script to be written, an empowering dialogue, a woman who feels worthy, a woman who dates with confidence, a woman who asks what she wants, is open to receiving, a woman who doesn't fear misalignment. That's what I believe is possible. And then I believe when we're no longer fearful of judgment and misalignment, aka rejection, then we start to live our lives reaching for the high fruit at the top of the tree versus just being like, I'm just going to live my life like surface level just so that my wounded ego never gets trampled on. Mm. That's what I believe is possible. Yeah, that's so, so beautiful. And um, definitely so liberating for somebody to, I guess, move past that shame that they do feel. One of the things that I always love to think about is shame can't, it, it literally can't survive in community. It can't survive in light. And so for as long as we're hiding our shame or hiding how we feel, it festers and it grows and it like it's like this icky mold in your bathroom that you just can't seem to get rid of because there's nowhere for it to breathe and as soon as we begin to shine light on it and become open and connect with community it's like that shame just like fades away Mm -hmm. I mean getting in a community with like-minded humans who just get to look at you with so much love and acceptance and desire to see you live your best life and express your truth courageously and confidently. It's such a it's such a powerful fuel in your car, in your emotional car. It's just like, you know what, I can do this. And if I don't think I can, I can just reach out to this whole community of humans who are going to remind me that, that I actually can. Mm. And that's like you community is such an incredible form of currency that I don't feel we've truly all tapped into. A hundred percent. Shifting gears just a little bit and talking about confidence Mm -hmm. and um, potentially somebody who might be listening today who is really struggling with confidence in themselves and that good enoughness. And I guess it always comes back to that concept of wholeness. Mm -hmm. What do you think is like the work or the actionables or even just some insight into somebody who's really struggling with confidence? I think number one, creating clarity around what confidence looks like for you would be so powerful. I don't feel like everyone wants to be an outspoken woman on the internet talking about the herpes virus. Mm -hmm. So my version of confidence and your version of confidence are going to be very different. So once we have clarity around, you know, in somatics, we talk about the shapes that we live from. You are currently living from a certain shape that feels really familiar. And maybe that shape is shy and maybe that shape doesn't use her voice. And maybe in the bedroom, she doesn't ask what she wants. Mm -hmm. And maybe she says yes when she really means no. That's your current shape. And it's familiar. That's why we go to it. It's known. We always know what's on the other side of doing that. The other shape feels very foreign. But without clarity around what that looks and sounds like, we're probably not going to be able to shift there. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just one small action step that would move the needle towards your more confident self, like defining her, describing her, envisioning her. And then just for the next week, seven days, even 14 to 21 days, one thing that moves the needle towards that shape. Not all the things. This is where I feel people go wrong. I'm going to start my diet. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm not going to text that guy. I'm not going to have sex with this person. Save all my money. I'm not unlike shopping. And it's like, 
50 things that we're doing from perhaps scarcity, lack and unworthiness versus one empowering small action step that will actually move the needle. And once it becomes sustained, maintained, ingrained, then we can add the next one and then the next one and then the next one. And that's how we create positive, effective changes lasting versus like yo-yo spirituality, like yo-yo dieting, like, oh, I felt good for two weeks. And then I went back to normal. Yeah. It's that black and white thinking and thinking that you need to change your life completely overnight when really it's like those little tiny things that add up. Even for myself now to be totally truthful, obviously the herpes virus was such a massive breakthrough. And even for myself, I have to remind myself that there is breakthrough in the subtleties and quite often they're even more meaningful because my ego is attached to like, oh my God, I was in so much debt and I killed it, made more money than I had in six months a year prior working three jobs in one. Oh my God, I lived my life in shame for X amount of years and then I broke free in a moment on Facebook. And so that created this expectation that everything should feel like that <laughs> until I was like, my life lived from that expectation is not going to work. So finding the, the magnitude of the subtle win, the, the stepping stone being the key that creates the milestone versus the milestone. And mm. at one period of time, I was very attached to the milestone and completely discrediting all the stepping stones it would take to get there. I love that so much. It's so funny because I was having this chat with a client, I think last night, and we were saying, or I was saying, potentially the the breakthrough is that there is no breakthrough and where you're waiting for something to like drop or the penny to drop in this, like in this other land that doesn't exist. But really the lesson here is like to come back to what is and like what is in reality and what is real for you and true for you and what you're most grateful for here. Um, and I think that anybody who's really into personal growth or in this world, it can become a game of like just trying to get there, heal the next thing, do the next thing, evolve into the next level, the next chapter and do all these amazing things, which is so beautiful. But I think that there's also so much to be said for coming back into like, what is now? What are we grateful for now? How, what is going right now? Right. Um, even one of my like master mentors, Miriam Brewer, she was like, do we think that no more courses for 12 months? <laughs> I was like, must learn everything now. <laughs> she was like, I just want to be the best that I can. And she's like, how about some space to integrate? I was like, mm, maybe. Yeah. Doing business coaching certification, master coaching certification, personal development, doubling down on my business. Maybe some space. Yeah. Maybe. I had to learn that lesson really hard as well because I came into this space and I was just like, I want to learn everything. I like invested thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, and part of my learning was like, hold on, i I actually know enough to like go out there and bring on clients and to teach like I one more course or one more thing isn't going to make me a more worthy coach it's more about like who I'm being in this moment and I think that just comes back to maybe the breakthrough is that there is no breakthrough I love that I would love I'd love to be on a fly a fly on the wall as you say that to people just to see <laughs> how they receive it <laughs> if I was a client I'd be like that's it. I'm out. <laughs> what do you mean? I want a refund. I'm not willing to look at it. It's very, it's a very Alan Watts statement of like. I'm like a millionaire in 2.5 seconds. Why? Right? Why? And that's like, 
I would love to hear your your input on like social media and how it is like it it's so it has so many benefits in the sense that you can get a message out to a large audience or even connect with loved ones and like share your life together and whatnot but then there is also this part of it that is like really creating such comparison between people where they're like oh she's got it all worked out she's got it all figured out why can't I just be more like her like what's your what's your take on socials I love social media I'm so grateful for it and I feel like we really get to be lovingly boundaried within ourselves when it comes to our use of it um, it can be a beautiful tool for good and it can be a really powerful tool to make you feel really fucking shit <laughs> and the only person in control of that is ourselves like we're in control of who we follow we're in control of how long we spend on it we're in control of what time of the day we pick it up we are in total control and so it's really you know uh, discerning how we're using it and with what intention um if I mean we we can we can start to project that people are portraying their highlight reels and there's only so much vulnerability that can be shown. Like everyone gets to express their we know that there are filtered bodies, we know that there are filtered faces, we know that there are coaches who aren't earning the big bucks that are saying that they're multi seven six seven eight figure whatever. We know that there is dishonesty, but there's dishonesty in every industry. And there's really great parts of the whole entire world. There's always the good and the bad, like the yin and the yang. And so we just simply get to discern with like, what am I looking at? And what, how is it making me feel? And is it supporting me to feel great? Or is it supporting me to feel really terrible about myself? Yeah, and I love that. And it, it it's, as you said, it comes back to that personal responsibility and not pointing the finger and being like, oh, they've got it so figured out. But it's more about, the way that you consume content, the same way that you consume the food that you put in your mouth. And, you know, if you eat too much sugar, you start to feel sick. And I think that online, it's the same way. If you start to consume all this content that just makes you feel like shit constantly, you're going to feel like shit, really. Yeah. And yeah, 100%. I used to want the fit spray body. So I follow all the bikini models, all the sports models, all the bodybuilding and this was, you know, 12 years ago. And it really wasn't making me feel good about myself. And it was putting a lot of pressure on me. And every day I would go on Instagram and I would feel bad. I'd feel bad about my food choices. I'd feel bad about my own body. I started to ask myself, why am I looking at this every day? Every time I see it, I'm then saying to myself, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing good enough. My body isn't enough. And so if people aren't, in, uh, it's great to be able to realize that triggers are here to teach us and transform us. But if you're genuinely not feeling good looking at someone's account, unfollow them if they're a family member mute them yeah I think that the black cloud can just be applied to this entire conversation if mm -hmm. you don't like the cloud that you're under move to a different cloud or a different spot get an umbrella go under some shade get yeah. some shelter yeah 100%. yeah this has been so beautiful Beck, and I want to tie up our conversation in a nice bow um mm -hmm. And I also just want to bring awareness to the fact that you share so much about herpes, but you're also so like you're so diverse and dynamic and you share so much more than that. Um, so to tie up our conversation, I'd love to hear about what's next for you. What are you working towards and what's really exciting you right now? 
So I just launched my podcast, Monday Just Gone. So that has really excited me because that's been in my space for a really long time. And I feel like I've really executed it with excellence and intention. And I'm really excited to bring my voice and my comedic talents to the world at one stage, reels were 90 seconds. And I was like, I'm a long form video kind of person. You can't put back. <laughs> in 90 seconds so I'm really excited for that to build more community to open my world to more women more is that get to really hear what I have to say that is going to create that internalized acceptance for those people to go out and live their lives and then I've really been doubling down on my business bringing on team I have an operations manager I'm moving in with my partner uh, in November of this year after six years of living in my house, which is a huge thing for me. I've been grieving my house that I'm in love with, uh, but taking the next step, which I'm really excited about. And I'm marrying two of my best friends in Greece in two weeks' time. Oh, my goodness. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Celebrant as well. <laughs> Well, you know, it's not legal overseas and it's probably good because I was like, I'm going to just start on the spot marrying people. <laughs> and everyone's like, you're going to be reckless. This is why you could never get become an official officiant. <laughs> but yes, it's not legal over. You get the you get your papers in Australia and I just do the service. But it, yeah. relationships have been something that for the time that I so uh, drilled so drilled down so hard on my business, relationships took a second role and now I'm realizing how incredibly important and meaningful they are to me and success without meaningful relationship just isn't success mm. and so my visions for the next 12 months is just more humans more meaningful interactions with those humans and me experiencing more fulfilling presence with those people amazing and where can people find you over at Instagram Beck Antonucci you can find me the shares and links to my podcast um everyone's welcome into my world if it resonates yeah amazing I'll link, all, I'll link all of your details um below if this episode spoke out to you or if you're struggling with anything that we've mentioned beck is such an amazing light and sharing so much awareness across this space so i definitely recommend oh and i thank you so much for being so open to the conversation no my pleasure it was so great